A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, and welcome to a Off the Beaten Track podcast special. So this is a little one-off episode and I had the opportunity to sit down with radio royalty in the shape of Radio X and I guess XFM uh, legend John Kennedy and John's obviously guested on the podcast before and uh, I'd recommend you go and listen to that episode. However, um, I ended up spending a bit of time with with, with John and, and, and we was recording some bits and pieces for something else so I was like can you tell me about some of your favourite gigs? So he was like, yeah, definitely. So I got an opportunity to talk about some of the most important gigs in John Kennedy's life. And you can imagine that John's seen a hell of a lot of live bands. So it was a, a real privilege. And, and any opportunity I get to sit down with, with John, um, if I can press record, it makes it all the much sweeter. So please enjoy this bonus episode of Off the Beaten Track live special uh, with John Kennedy. Thank you. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing. www.sosclothing.co.uk Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. And in addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out, because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast, and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done, is they've given you 15% off. So, if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code, Beat 15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk, official sponsors of Off The Beat & Track podcast. Let's get back to that podcast. It's Off The Beat & Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Hello, and joining me today is is Radio Royalty. It's uh, it's Mr. John Kennedy. Hi, Stu. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thanks ever so much for coming in, John. It's a pleasure. Um, I had to pick a subject to chat to you about. And I know when you've been on Off the Beaten Track, you've chosen that the, the songs that um, have, have, have soundtracked your your creative journey this far. Um, and so I just thought. Well, I know that with lots of your events, you've been responsible for, A, breaking bands, but, but putting on lots of bands. Yeah. So I just thought, gigs, let's chat gigs with, with John Kennedy. And, Which is uh, great. 
No, because I, I'm going to talk endlessly about these gigs. Wonderful. But it's also, see, you're a hard man, Stu, because for the, off the beat in the track, I found that really difficult to come up with records <laughs> that helped to find certain things. And now, you know, the brief was five favourite gigs of all time. It's sure. Like, how am I meant to do that? But like That's off the impossible. beaten track, John, you can. I'm fully aware that on any day of the week they will change. Yeah. So no one's going to yeah. hold you to these. It's tricky because I, I mean, obviously, I'm completely in love with live music, sure. and um, I've ended up being able to work in live music in many ways, yeah. um, which is absolutely fantastic, and set up my own gigs and and choose the bands and all that kind of thing, and so. It's like, oh, well, do I just choose my five favourite gigs that I've put on? And then I okay. thought, no, that seems a bit selfish. And then, you know, if somebody hears it and, and they're not one of those five, they'll be, like, put out, potentially. And You've and made it so complicated. Yeah, I have. I'm guilt-ridden <laughs> as a person. You know, I was raised a Catholic, and, and it seems to haunt me. You know, so everything I get involved in is, like, oh, no, but I can't do that because then this. and um, Well, so, I'm taking so, control of this, yeah. John. Give me a gig. Okay. So I thought... I've got to mention the jam okay. at Hammersmith Odeon because this was the second gig I ever went to. Wonderful. And um, It's the first on your list. This is the first on my list, yeah. No, it's oh, your first gig you went to on your list. It is. Well, oh, okay. it's not on my list, no. All oh, right, what no. was that? That was the Merton Parkers at Wimbledon Theatre. And I'm pretty sure I talked about we did, that we did. when we did Off the Bean yeah. Track. And so I couldn't do that one. But, I mean, the, the two are linked in the sense that, sure. you know, I wanted to see the jam. And the first one I got to see was Merton Parkers because right. I was young and uh, that was near where I lived. So it was kind of more doable. Yeah. Um, but shortly after that, I went to see the jam. And uh, the Jam were my favourite band at the time. And this was the first time I got to see them. And it was my second only ever gig. When would this have been? This was something like 1979 or 1980. I think it was 1980. Mm -hmm. um, yes, I'm pretty sure. Because Sound Effects was the album that they were touring at the time. And it just come out or was just about to come out. Um, and so we, I had, the, and I'm sure I talked about this with Off the Beaten Track, that I had this thing where I wanted to go to gigs. My parents wouldn't allow me to go to gigs. My sister was a couple of years older, and there were a few gigs that she went to that I was like, well, can I go to that? And no, you can't, John. And so there was this kind of thing. And so it was, a, it was building up that I was putting the request, and, and finally I got to go. Yeah. And, um, and it was absolutely fantastic. You know, it lived up to all expectation. I mean, yeah. there, was, there was that combination of, favorite band so you know all the songs um and young energetic so i danced non-stop i was hoarse for days afterwards and i was deaf for days afterwards because yeah. i'd sung at the top of my voice to every single song and um i didn't realize how loud it was going to be yeah and i don't know maybe my young sensitive ears just couldn't cope with the noise even yeah. though it was a big place so it probably wasn't as loud as some of the gigs i've been to since but it was absolutely fantastic and how old would you have been i was about 14 i think okay um 13 14 14 probably yeah i think possibly 15 was there a support um there was the piranhas wow who had just got into the charts with their version of zambezi zambezi yeah which I didn't like, and I thought they were pretty awful. So, That's a strange um, band to support the jam. It was a strange band, yeah, I know. And it was kind of a bit disappointing uh, yeah. in a way. But they were kind of erased from memory because the jam came on, and they were incredible. I mean, the jam were incredible. Mm. Um, anybody who has been lucky enough to get to see the jam knows that. Mm. And I kind of wrote about this. I was asked to, be, um, to, to contribute to a book about the jam which was put together by Nikki Weller uh, Paul Weller's sister and it was a kind of reminiscing about different people about the jam and their impact on on them and so I wrote this piece about that and again I worried about it and wasn't sure how long it should be and so I wrote one version which was ridiculously convoluted and I realized afterwards when I got to see the book that I could have included that convoluted yeah. one and I also was kind of put into uh, <laughs> what I had to say um, paled in comparison to some of the other fantastic stories okay. that these contributors had um, and it seemed really insignificant but it was very significant to me so that's why I'm yeah. mentioning it now just because I think in many ways it was the start of of the journey and my involvement in music um, because that love and that devotion and that passion was ignited and and was fostered by going to that gig because it, it was fantastic, yeah. you know, and 
it was a kind of uh, not completely a Damascene moment, you know, Paul on the road to Damascus and, and changes his life completely. But because in a way, my life was already on that path. Yeah. But because it was so good, it meant that I, you know, I wanted more yeah. of this stuff. Um, and I think that maybe, you know, had things been a bit rubbish and you'd gone to a few gigs and it's like, mm, I don't yeah. see what the fuss is about, then maybe you you wouldn't yeah. uh, follow that path. No. Uh, and I guess the jam at that point as well, it, it was, it wasn't just, they didn't have just kind of your run-of-the-mill fans. It, was, it wasn't just the music. It was the look and everything, wasn't it? The jam was so important, you know, and, and, and you still see people to this day still dressing like that, have followed Weller through every fashion change, and, you know, and, and, and have, you know, bought a, everything Weller's ever done, you know, yeah. good or bad. Yeah. And this, completely, yeah, and I'm a bit like that. You know, I've, I've, uh, I've um, wandered off the path sometimes, but, yeah. uh, you know, I keep getting drawn back and... Um, it's it's funny, but like I haven't completely uh, stuck to the dress code. Um, but it's yeah, it's quite interesting. And definitely at that moment, I was involved in that and and very much uh, in love with that. Um, but the Jam still had a quite wide audience as well. I mean, they yeah. were a number one band. They were the biggest band in the country at the moment, and and kind of everybody liked them. You mm. know, so you didn't have to be a, a, a mod revivalist yeah. to 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 like the Jam. Yeah. Going underground would be number one. Um, you know, the albums had all been number one. Well, not all of them, but you know, the last couple of yeah. albums and Sound Effects was the latest, and that was you know a really big release. And and yeah. it was the jam at their most creative too. Yeah. So, you know, they had kind of discovered other worlds. You know, they were influenced by Joy Division for the Sound Effects album, um, but also the, their love of the Beatles was very strong on that album. And and that's entertainment is on that album, and that was part of that set. And a yeah. lot of songs like Pretty Green and Monday were part of that set. Yeah, really massively. great songs. Um, and I think it was a a jam peak in many ways. Yeah. Um, so I was lucky to witness that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they hadn't completely uh, stuck in, they weren't stuck in their embryonic phase. You know, they, yeah. they, they'd journeyed quite a lot already at that yeah. point. That's um, definitely the prime time to see the jam, I think. D- yeah, depending on your point of view. But yeah, yeah I, w- I would argue that yeah. definitely. I mean, I did see them again, um, yeah. but that was the, the one. You know, that was yeah. really important. Um, and... Yeah, so it kind of, I felt it had to be mentioned, really. You know, it Wonderful. seems unfair to them. But I did, I kind of did a trip down memory lane. I mean, so my first four gigs were a bit odd in that were Merton Parker's The Jam, Black Sabbath and Motorhead. So there was a kind of a leap right. around yeah. um, stylistically. But I was into it all and into a load of other stuff too, which you can find out about on Off the Beaten Track. <laughs> Absolutely. And you but, can find out about the Parker that, uh, that John's aunt bought oh, him that yeah, he was very well, not, disappointed yeah, with. Was, yeah, <laughs> but, but it's funny. So I went to see Paul Weller play at Hammersmith Odeon know a few years ago yeah and um that was a bit of a trip down memory lane for me kind of a revisit like you know what i should go and see paul weller again i hadn't seen him play for quite a long yeah. time and I, I wanted to i was in a kind of slightly nostalgic frame of mind at that point just past a big birthday and it was like yeah okay i should do that that's an opportunity and similarly i went to see black sabbath in hyde park yeah um as another kind of trip down memory lane and yeah. i still both I, I still love both bands yeah. immensely and and particularly certain periods you know their records sound completely amazing to me. Well, if we get time, um, I'd, I'd like to touch on nostalgia with gigs as well. Mm. Um, and just in, in, the, the, the culture now of lots of bands will come over and play that album. Yes. You know, so we, we, we'll touch on that if we can. But yeah, in, in the meantime, if I can have gig number two, please. Gig number two. You see, it's, I, could, I mean, I've got a lifetime of gig going. Okay. And, and one concern, one worry was that I'd end up talking about particular eras okay. um, or, or even one particular point of time because right. so many of my memorable gigs are when I was a teenager or early 20s sure. and they're tied up with me evolving and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And also the, there's this funny thing about um, events that you were at and events that you were involved in yeah. because are you just boasting? You know, yeah. And in some ways... I possibly am. Yeah. Um, and definitely when I talk to my daughter now, who's a big Arctic Monkeys fan, and um, she'd, she'd say something like, oh, you know, I wish I'd saw them around the first album. And then when I say, oh, well, actually, I, I did, <laughs> she's like, oh, shut up, you know, and, and kind of yeah. then takes the mick out of me about yeah. it. But I'm you like, know dads can't be cool. It's no, impossible. Yeah, However many... Th- yeah, <laughs> it's impossible. I've so, tried my hardest. Yeah, so the second gig I thought I'd mention, um, but it... it 
See, the reason I mention these gigs is for me, the gigs that really um, um, remain with me are gigs that inspire me and gigs that have inspired my love of music. Um, and I love it when you go and see a band and you go home and you're on the way home and either you can't stop thinking or singing those songs or they've kind of fired you up in some way. You know, they've, they've kind of um, turned your head and you feel inspired. And, yeah. and the ideal would be that you create art yeah. after that and, yeah. um, and that something positive comes out of it. And, and sadly, I'm often, you know, I've got all these I'm buzzing with ideas after these amazing gigs I've been to and I don't actually do that much with them yeah. but in some ways maybe I did yeah. I don't know but um, so all the ones I, I, I'm mentioning are gigs like that and so the, the second one I was going to mention was the Smiths at Kingston Polytechnic in uh, about 1983 or 4 it's um, so it's early days of the Smiths I'm not entirely wow. sure when so um, it was that ha uh, the, they'd have maybe this charming man had just come out. It was around that okay. time, um, and they were touring the UK. And it was at the height. Of, it was for some people more. For some younger people, it would be like going to see the Libertines, maybe or that kind of band. There was a real frenzy around them, but they hadn't actually released that much music. You were clinging on to the little that was out there already. So maybe one or two singles, the Peel sessions that had started to air. And um, me and a couple of friends went to see them, Kingston Polytechnic, um, went by bus because we lived in southwest London near Wimbledon, and it was a nice, easy uh, gig to get to. Um, and they were mind-blowing. They were just so, so good. And, and, you know, I sat on the stage. It was a tiny stage about two feet off the ground. I sat on the stage. Morrissey had all his gladioli that he was swinging around. I was looking up at his legs and as he was swinging the flowers around and it was amazing there was a frenzy down the front there was a stage invasion um it was incredible and it was that kind of thing that um uh you you see time and time again when uh, bands have a real momentum and it's that magic of bands and that that kind of hysteria that is that can be around them do you think that can be something that can be created via marketing or do you think that, that, uh, that, that you know things like that and and the aforementioned arctic monkeys like do you think that is more just something magical is happening i think something magical is happening it's a word of mouth thing as well yeah. so you can hear the things on the radio but it's when all of your friends are united in your opinion yeah. that this is really exciting. Yeah. And so, yeah, Arctic Monkeys is a great example, yeah. you know, that you would have seen that around them. And that was all kind of word of mouth. I mean, you could hear the music a yeah. little bit, but again, there was only snippets. It was like yeah. every single song um, was was golden. Yeah. You know? and, and so you played it again and again and again because yeah. there, there wasn't a body of work to go back to yeah. yet at that point. And very much Arctic Monkeys are a great example of yeah. that. Um, and it was fantastic. To, I've always, you know, th that was one of the first examples I had of that and being there at the time. Yeah. And I've been lucky enough to see it uh, through the grunge era, yeah. um, th then through, you know... Um, the kind of Britpop, yeah, and <laughs> every little era, yeah. Then you know, with the kind of uh, new rock revolution yeah. or Libertines and Strokes, and then with Arctic Monkeys, mm -hmm. you know, and and you know, lucky enough to have been alive through all that and been involved in a lot of that, yeah. Um, but the Smiths' hysteria, you know, I was there, and I w they were for that year. Um, I went to see them quite a few times, uh, but that first time at Kingston Polytechnic was was incredible and they were incredible every single time um and i went to see them around the country and yeah. and and at the time i think so it it must have it could have been 1983 it could have been early 1984 because within a space of a few months i ended up going to see them in a few different places around the country so a few of my i'd just done my a levels uh, some of my friends had gone off to different parts of the country my sister was at university um i'd made a friend who was in norwich at UEA and so I went to stay with all these people uh, partly to see the Smiths yeah and so so I got saw them in Norwich saw them in Leicester um, then went my sister was studying in Leicester went back to Leicester to see them yeah. again in Leicester and saw them in London a few times and I know I didn't get to see them in Liverpool but a friend of mine who'd gone to Liverpool to study he saw them in Liverpool and we were all completely obsessed really you know and trying to 
take every opportunity to yeah. go and see them. You're making me very jealous, John. Well, I mean, that's my fear that I'm just saying, hey, I've got to see the Smiths. <laughs> you know, but, um, hey, loads of people saw the Beatles. You know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, number three. Okay, well, this is going to be completely different. Um, so this is leaping ahead a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, by the time I saw the jam, you know, that was the start of it, the Smiths. By the Smiths, I'd, I was a regular gig-goer. I'd been to lots of gigs already, or in my mind, I'd been to lots of gigs. Sure. So, so that was why we were able to kind of get to go and see the Smiths. We acted and went to see them immediately. We, we didn't need to see the, find out too much about them yeah. b- because we, we knew this was something good. Um, and gig going was part of my lifestyle in a way. Um, so I was going to, a, and this had started as a teenager, but I went to a lot of gigs as, uh, on my own um, because I kind of got fed up with relying on friends to be able mm-hmm. to go along to things I wanted to go to. Um, and out of curiosity, I had never seen Cabaret Voltaire. Um, and I bought a ticket to go and see Cabaret Voltaire, Brixton Academy. It's weird because it, uh, it might have been called Brixton Academy. It might have had a different name at that time. This was about 1989, 1990. I think it was 1990. And um, so I bought the ticket to Cabaret Voltaire. But the, one of the main reasons why I bought the ticket was because they were going to be supported by Sun Ra. So I was really curious about Sun Ra. So as a late teenager, I'd really gotten into the MC5. And there was a track on... Kick Out the Jams, that was inspired and co-written by Sun Ra. And I'd read about Sun Ra and um, his music and his incredible live performances. But I hadn't really explored it by buying any albums or anything like that. So I'd read about it and been fascinated by it and thought, no, I I kind of need to know more about that. And so the side of the MC5 that had been inspired by Sun Ra was this kind of free jazz experimental side, and there's one track on Kick Out The Jams where they kind of let loose and go off, you know, Mm -hmm. exploring the planets. Um, And so I thought, right, Sun Ra is playing in London. I'm going to go and see him. So I went to the gig, and there was a sign on the door, gig not happening, gig cancelled, and I don't know why Cabaret Voltaire had pulled out, but there was another sticker saying Sun Ra playing at Yulu in London for free tonight. So I was at a loose end, had nothing else to do, and I could get to see Sun Ra anyway, so it didn't really matter. So I went to Yulu, and you could wander in. Um, it's just an open house. Um, and as I wandered in, um, these people were chanting and bashing percussion and playing some brass instruments in the crowd. And it's like, what, what on earth is going on? It's, what's that noise? And I looked around and... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. And it's like these people in robes were wandering through the crowd, chanting and making this strange music. And it was completely spellbinding it's like oh my god this is amazing and then these people walked up onto the stage and then proceeded to play the most amazing music i'd ever heard in my life no nothing like anything i'd ever listened to and the interesting thing was that it was really a, a real combination of various different things so the chanting was really simple and hypnotic 
and you felt that anybody could do it and you could get involved in it. And then they'd start playing a beat that was really hypnotic and then they might start playing some passages, you know, on keyboard and organ that were really simple. Um, and then they'd go into another number which was really quite freak out and, and kind of off kilter and odd yeah. time signatures and all this kind of stuff. But they all looked incredible. There were about 15 to 20 people on stage. They were all wearing these really crazy robes. And there were a whole variety of different ages. You know, they were in their 50s and 60s and 70s. Yeah. And it was amazing, absolutely incredible. And um, my mind was blown. <laughs> and I, but the amazing thing was that they were playing the following night at the Mean Fiddler in northwest London and Harlesden. Yeah. And so I had to go. So I went to that gig as well. And the combination, the two gigs, um, I was able to buy a ticket on the door. Um, it was busy. And that's a small venue, though, Mean Fiddler, small, wasn't it? a small, small venue. Yeah, it was amazing. I was able to just kind of buy a ticket on the door. Wow. I mean, it was busy. Everybody, you know, it was sold out, I think. Yeah. But I, don't, I, was, I don't know how I had managed to, to be able to just turn up. Yeah. But it was also, it was interesting because at the time, there was, uh, they'd hooked up, or Blast First, the record label, had hooked up with Sun Ra and had put a, together a compilation. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't heard the compilation, but it was on sale at the gig. And um, so I think maybe that the, the, there was, it was one of those meeting of worlds where, the alternative uh, guitar world was re-embracing mm -hmm. something. Um, but that gig was another revelation because the DJs were playing some amazing jazz that I had never heard. And it was really accessible. I mean, a lot of it was um, kind of Latin soul, really. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I'd worked out afterwards that I think it was Patrick Forge was one of those DJs. And so because of that, you know, I went and explored and, and bought a load of that music um, and, you know, then bought lots of Sun Ra records, um, and I never got to see Sun Ra again. But I saw them two nights in a row, uh, Sun Ra and his orchestra, yeah. and I bought an album from some of the musicians after the gig, one of their own home pressings that they did, yeah. um, and it still remains one of my favorite ever records. Uh, and, and it included one of the pieces um, that they were doing on both of those sets, a track yeah. called Black Beauty, which is a, a lullaby, really. It's a really, really beautiful piece. Yeah. Um, and both times they were extraordinary. Sun Ra was amazing, watching him play his keyboard, you know, in, in such a kind of basic way in many ways. But he was kind of leading the band, and the band were amazing. I bought a T-shirt. Um, I've, I've still got the T-shirt. Wow. Um, so that's like 30 years later. Yeah. Um, and it was absolutely amazing. And it really was uh, uh, an epiphany yeah. for me. Hello, I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is, the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So if you want to hear the songs, just go over to Spotify and search off the beat and track podcast and you can listen to all the songs because i've put playlists up for each of these if you can't find it on there i'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode so you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks anyway i'll shut up get back to the podcast see you on the other side how much do, do, do you have expect do you look towards when you go and see a band, you want performance because I'm I, I, just as a really basic example. If I look towards the sort of the early to mid '90s, so for instance, you know, I, I saw Depeche Mode on the Faith and Devotion tour and witnessed what I thought at that point Dave Gump being one of the greatest mm. frontmen to watch on stage, and also saw Oasis, which were one of the biggest bands in in the UK at that time, if not the biggest band. But it was one man standing with his hands behind his back. Completely still, yeah. No movement. No guitarists were were doing anything particularly eye catching in in regards to stage presence or movement. D do you? I know it's it's fine to like both, but but do you like to be entertained visually as well? I do. I mean, I, I you've mentioned Morrissey, you've mentioned yeah, the Jam, yeah. yeah. I mean, and these, you've mentioned yeah, Sumrall, totally. Yeah. I mean, these are all visual feasts yeah. in many ways, and and different kinds of performance with a different kind of energy. 
uh, and a lot of passion mm. and a lot of heart and a lot of love mm. there. And so in many ways, that's probably why they make such a big impact. Mm. I mean, I'm happy at a gig if it's non-performative. Yeah. Um, and I'm happy to get uh, lost in a sound world, be yep. it Godspeed You Black Emperor oh. or Sigur Ross or, you know, I've had seen both of those and absolutely incredible but yeah. often you might close your eyes during yeah. those shows and you know i've put on explosions in the sky yep. and, and again you know they take you somewhere else yeah. and or mogwai yeah um all fantastic but at the same time a visual feast can can really help and and i do like communication so i really admire uh performers um who are able to talk to a crowd and yeah. are able to um, either through their performance yeah. work a crowd or just through their personality, I suppose, work Absolutely. a crowd, but just commune with a crowd, get Absolutely. on with a crowd. So, so somebody like Billy Bragg is fantastic. What a great communicator. Yeah. Somebody like Scroobius Pip is a great communicator. Don't big him up anymore. <laughs> but, but he is, but he is. But, um, but in the same way, to, you know, you do see these incredible uh, performers. You know, and I've seen Nick Cave many times, yeah. and he's an amazing performer who can really whip up a, a crowd uh, and control... Create drama. Create drama out of nothing. Right. And, I mean, I... And they see this is the problem about the choosing these five favourite gigs. Yeah. So someone like Nick Cave, you know, is an ultimate performer and, and I've seen really incredible shows by him um, in different formats and his current... Uh, compadre warren ellis oh. i'm a massive fan of dirty three and i've seen some really mind-blowing shows by dirty yeah. three and what an interesting performer in that you know it's instrumental music and he emotes every note it seems yeah. by his physicality and the way he yeah. plays his violin and yet the song ends and then he's like a stand-up comedian talking yeah. to the crowd telling these long-winded stories um, and completely engaging with people, yeah. and making people laugh, and and then suddenly, you know, you're in the depths of despair because yeah. of, of the violin. How sinister he no. plays, yeah, yeah, yeah it's incredible. Um, yeah, I saw Grindman, and uh, I, I walked in and I got literally hit in the face with this kind of abrasive techno, and I was like, and and just this kind of sort of reasonably elderly looking guy in a silver puffer jacket just screaming in a mic and it took me about 15 minutes to work out it was suicide <laughs> it was I mean I, I know you know suicide have done some incredible music it was borderline unlistenable John I've got to be honest yeah. and and it was you know you, you're there and you're paying your respects and you know grind a man are coming on shortly but it was well, I'm still talking about it, so it definitely yeah. made an impact. Well, totally. I mean, it's Suicide, yeah. what a band. Yeah. And I've seen them a few times, like you, mm. you know, supporting Grounded Man, and I remember seeing them at the garage. And in many ways, yes, unlistenable. But in some ways, <laughs> you know, that, can, that can be amazing. I mean, Suicide, I think, are so far ahead yeah. of everyone. Yeah. I mean, I think I might have talked about this on... We did, we yeah, did. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think they're... Incredible, and to think when you would have seen them supporting Grindman, they're in their sixties yeah. or seventies. Yeah, 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 completely. You know, and yeah, and 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 they're still challenging massively. People. I mean, a band I could have mentioned, or and well, I'll mention now. But I saw Swans around the same time as seeing Sun Ra at the Mean Fiddler, yeah. and it was so loud. I felt physically forced backwards, so much so that I ended up at the back of the venue with my back against the back wall. Yeah, and it was one the most amazing shows I've ever seen. Yeah. So physical. I don't know whether I liked it. Yeah. I don't know whether I went home and listened to any of their yeah, records, yeah, yeah. but it was completely incredible, that combination of awesome volume and the simplicity of what they were doing, but also the passion and ferocity that yeah. they delivered it in was amazing. Yeah. You know, um, And in some ways, the way that they played with your mind because of that, even to the point of that, you know, you walk past the merch table and they were selling T-shirts which said, public castration is a good idea. <laughs> and uh, But it seemed to tie in with the, what they were saying. The I think, danger of you know, it. The danger yeah. of it. And also yeah. I think maybe they were suggesting, I think the idea was that, you know, public castration is a good idea for rapists and, yeah. and for, you know, these kind of criminals. Yeah. And, and you know, they, they kind of convinced you, you know, that, yeah, maybe that is a good <laughs> idea. Maybe I could wear that T-shirt because you kind of, got lost in their world the of it, so yeah. much you know and i went i did go and see swans again recently at the roundhouse and um because that was going to be the last particular in of that incarnation right, last yeah. performance of that and uh, and it was it was it was amazing again 
I mean, that that is such a committed performance. Yeah. It's interesting because maybe, you know, there's a certain commitment in Liam's performance in Oasis that people love that combination mm. of those sing-along songs oh, absolutely um that that people were convinced by yeah. there are definitely times i mean i went through periods when i did i mean because i i for many years of my life i have been going to see gigs two or three four times a week you know there have been some years where that you know that was happening to mm. me um all the time before i ha- had a radio show you know four nights yeah. or five nights a week um that's what i'd be doing mm. and um and i did go through a period where i felt a bit bored of people just staring at their feet looking yeah. at guitar pedals and yes you can shut your eyes and get lost in the music and yes that can be yeah. uh, completely amazing um but at the same time that, that when you can look at all the players and watch yeah. what they're doing uh, and be mesmerized by it i mean sometimes that's enough actually uh, just uh, watching them as musicians yeah. so say you can go and watch um Bands like Trash Kit or Sacred Pores, who both have uh, my favourite guitarist Rachel Ags, who's the amazing guitarist. Who, um, I mean, really, her, her style is very African influenced, and you could say, I don't know, I'm sure some guitarists might say, oh, it's quite simple, you know, but she plays these repeating refrains again and again. But she's so brilliant at it, yeah. and she creates such a sweet sound that I can watch her play and listen to her, her play yeah. um, all day. It's just absolutely fantastic. But there's no I mean, there is a performance going on, yeah. but it's not confrontational. It's not as if she's putting on a show. She's sure. just playing her music yeah. and, and does so with such spirit and joy that you're immediately uplifted, yeah. and that's why I love it so. And I love that kind of performance. But I also you know the little you know, punk rock part of me you know, loves wild abandon. Yeah, and, of and, course. You no, know, you can't beat that. But I'd say you know, the Sun Ra thing was interesting just because it was different again. Yeah. You know? And they're not going crazy. I mean, they are kind of going crazy in a way, but it's disciplined. It's, it's yeah. taught. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's the kind of um, discipline that results of playing every single day, yeah. all day in their commute, commune. Yeah. No, <laughs> it's, 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 it's kind of amazing. I mean, people like that are incredible. No, Completely. and swans are, are comparable actually because that's the kind of craziness that they, yeah. they did you know? um, but I don't know where to go from here because we're kind of covering a lot of ground here which is, it's just interesting um, which is great I mean I, I was going to mention are we on to number four already yes see, I mean I feel that <laughs> some of the ones that really stay with you are when you get to see um, a great so you know Often we go out of curiosity. A lot of people go and see, I think, the Rolling Stones out of curiosity. Uh, and they I, I've done that. To, they want to be able to say, I've seen the Rolling Stones. Yep. And I've done that quite a bit. And I've often been disappointed quite a bit mm-hmm. um, by that. But at the same time, you've got to see these people. I had that with Madonna about four years ago. Right. You've got to see Madonna. No, I've never seen box. Madonna. I'd quite like to see Madonna. But I'm always split because I've had good and bad experiences. Yeah. But a great I got to see quite inadvertently um, I hold dear because I got to see her play, and that is Nina Simone. Wow. So this is mid-'80s. Um, I went to university in Norwich um, at UEA, University of Easy Access, which is how I got in. Um, and I liked a girl in my first year. And she was from London, so it's like, oh, Easter holidays. Maybe we could meet up, you know. Um, and so we did. It's like, oh, she suggested, why don't we go and see Nina Simone? She's playing at Ronnie Scott's. So I said, yeah, I'm up for that. that I mean, if that great. girl was cool anyway, I mean, she's well, just gone up with cool points well, there, hasn't she? Completely. But this was probably her, this was her suggestion. Yeah. Um, so it's like, oh, this sounds brilliant. Yeah, I, I, I'm up for that. Yeah. So I get to the gig um, and there was another guy there too. Somebody else who liked her. <laughs> so, right. So she she didn't think of this as a date. This was just, let's go to the scene in a Simone. This would be brilliant. So it's for three years. Yeah, yeah. So it's Not like, awkward then. Me, I know. It was just really funny. <laughs> so I think his name was Simon. I didn't know him at all. He was somebody yeah. she knew from some something else, somewhere else. So the three of us go. And he was a really nice guy. And he, like me, was really into music. But we were into quite different music. He was really into test department. And he yeah. was into much more experimental music than me at the time. Um, because I liked the Smiths and I liked yeah. the jam and you know, uh, I liked uh, Lord Cole and the commotions yeah. and stuff like this you know, and, and other stuff too but, um, but and Nina Simone was having a bit of a revival at the time because Charlie Records had put out a compilation which featured My Baby Just Cares For Me and in some ways that was 
the student soundtrack. The was hit. this when it was reissued and went to number one? Yeah, was did it go to number one? Yeah, really? right. Yeah. So it was around that time. Definitely. The, the single, the single. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, you know, it was the kind of soundtrack to student parties, but also to hipster parties. Yeah. And you know, because that there had been this phase in London, which was really interesting, which where jazz. There was a kind of new jazz explosion, and Slim Gaylord was in town, and there were clubs like the Beetroot, which are you know people are a bit slightly bit older than me, but it was kind of cool to have a goatee beard, and and you know that you'd had bands like Rip Rig and Panic and and Pig Bag who were deeply into jazz, and, yeah. and but were bringing it to a new audience, and I was aware of them and kind of into them, but kind of maybe a bit uneducated and a bit naive about it. Because the pro- indie papers were writing about these the, bands. Oh, completely. They? Well, yeah. the NME, yeah. you know, and Melody Maker uh, picking up these scenes, and rightly so. And so Nina Simone got kind of involved in that revival in a way. And through that, Charlie Records re-released her and she ended up having a hit and became became popular again. And I don't know whether the hit was after I saw it Ronnie Scott's or not, but it was around that kind of period. Um, spring, probably 1985 or something like that. And um, so through liking this girl and this other guy liking this girl, uh, we, bo- we all got to see Nina Simone. And Nina Simone was absolutely amazing. No, it was just her playing her piano in Ronnie Scott's sit-down gig. Um, and she was fierce and fiery and everything, you'd expect everything from you Nina. would expect from Nina Simone. Yeah. And she had a kind of, I don't know whether it's 10 minutes, but it could have been 10 minutes tirade about Charlie Records and about how she was not seeing any money from this reissue and how it really made her angry. And she was amazing. Yeah. You know? and, and so, you know, when you see a great like Nina Simone... Yeah. Uh, and I, so I am kind of boasting that I got to see Nina Simone, really. I'll but, be boasting too, but, John. you know, she is incredible. And the weird thing is I'm constantly re-exploring her work on record because her catalogue is a bit confusing. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of different albums. There have been lots of different compilations. And I'm still trying to unravel it all, mm. really, and get to grips with it. But every time I hear her, I am completely blown away. Yeah. And in some ways, she's one of those artists where... And I think this about gigs, that um, sometimes the gig alone can be the moment. It's funny because you tend to think, I mean, I'm a bit of a completist and a bit of like, oh, you've really got to know it and you've got to listen to them all the time. And then, yeah. you know, I'd gone through this, this phase when, um, you know, I'd, I'd you'd explore an artist and you find out about an artist and you think, right, I'm going to find out what their key albums are and I'm going to listen to them and then yeah. I, I know all about them. I, I'm do- yeah. I've done them. I, do- I can ignore everything else they, they've done. Yeah. And then when I was working at the BBC Gramophone Library, um, which we touched upon yep. and um, does relate to this period. So say when I saw Sun Ra, I could go into the BBC Gramophone Library and suddenly listen to loads of Sun yeah. Ra, you know, because it's all there. Yeah. Um, but uh, when I was working there, I was surrounded by a lot of people who were so uh, thorough in their knowledge that they said, no, if you're going to know about Miles Davis, you've got to listen to every single album that Miles Davis has yeah. ever put out because... He changes all the time. If you like the Kinks, you can't just like you really got me. Yeah, you've got to listen to all the albums, yeah. even those dodgy seventies ones. You know, yeah. you, you've got to, you've got to know what Ray Davis is like a songwriter, and that kind of maybe have a different kind of approach. And yeah. so, partly, you know, I keep trying to do that with Nina, but ultimately, it, it's that concert. Yeah. You know, it's that time, and so, same really with Sun Ra. Even though I put on his music, and there are certain albums that are really amazing. Yeah, um, but. It was that moment. I caught up in that moment. That's what lives in my head. Um, And yeah, I mean, it's funny because uh, the girl got me to the gig and I did quite like her. And we did kind of have a a relationship for a while after this. Um, But that was probably the biggest gift I got out of of it all (laughs) was getting to see Nina Simone. It was absolutely incredible. Yeah. Um, I mean, Stephen got to see the gig but didn't get the girl. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I'm sure he's he's probably, you know, still basking in the glory of having got seen in Simone. No, I hope so. Um, well, we, we, you know, as, as this show's sort of been taking shape, we've, we've been looking back a lot. So I mentioned at the beginning that I want to sort of touch on nostalgia, John. And, yeah. and just getting your thoughts really on sort of bands performing that album. So as an example being I've been to a few, I've I've seen... The Pixies play Doolittle. I've seen mm. Lemonheads play Shame About Ray. Jane's Addiction play Ritual. Like lots of albums that I, I, um, 
uh, what's the other one I'm trying to think but that that sort of thing like where bands yeah. go back and revisit I saw Grantly Buffalo do it and and it was personally I loved it yeah. absolutely loved it and I just wonder what your thoughts are on that it's it's interesting because I um, I'm really into it um, and I've been disappointed quite a few times as well so I was kind of a bit anti-revival um, but Buzzcocks reformed and this is the first time they'd reformed with the original lineup. And they did a tour, and um, they played at Brixton Academy. When was this? This would have been about 1989, I think. Um, and me and a few friends all bought tickets, and we were really excited and really hyped about it. And it was absolutely incredible, because they'd split by the time I um, was kind of old enough to go and see them I mean it's not quite true but they were still around a little bit when I first heard them and, yeah. and you know I loved Ever Fall in Love when it was on Top of the Pops and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff and you know thought they were amazing and uh, luckily that gig lived up to all expectations and to hear all of those songs perform live yeah. was incredible and that was fantastic um, but I have been more recently since this thing has taken off um a little bit underwhelmed and the first of those underwhelmed experiences was going to see the Sex Pistols um, mm. and this was the second time the Sex Pistols had, had got back together so they got back together and they played at Finsbury Park and there was a, it was recorded and it was released as a live album mm. now I in my cynicism thought that's not going to be any good not going to that I did meet some people who all went to it and said it was absolutely fantastic yeah um, I listened to the live album and I thought, oh my God, this is absolutely fantastic and I yeah. really like the live album. So when they got together again yeah. and they were playing Crystal Palace Bowl mm -hmm. with an amazing um, lineup that included The Rapture and a whole load of other bands that I really liked mm -hmm. a lot. And also there was this um, Left Field remix of a Sex Pistols track and I think it might have tied in with the Golden Jubilee or something That's right. crazy like yeah, this. That's right, it was. So I thought, I'm in. I'm going to check this out yeah um and i absolutely hated it it was like pantomime and really cheesy rotten if you excuse the yeah pun pantomime <laughs> yeah. i mean and i was so disappointed and it was like i'd had a few drinks and i was kind of angry and annoyed and really i yeah. was ranting at my friend who i dragged along and um, I thought it was terrible. And I actually wrote about this. You now, I was asked by somebody who wants to write uh, a thing, um, worst and best gigs. And, uh, you know, I ended up writing this thing about that being the worst. And then this strange group I'd seen in, uh, in Norwich when I was at university called Godberger, who never went anywhere. But there was this one really, really intense gig that they did. And I knew one of them in the band and stuff. He was a fellow student. And, and it was just really intense. Like, and, and, <laughs> and it was like comparing and contrasting those two yeah. things. Because Godberger were everything I wanted the Pistols to be. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure that, and obviously the Pistols were. Yeah. You know, that, that fright and fear. And, and, yeah. um, but instead it wasn't. It was a sing-alonger Sex Pistols gig with a lot of uh, you know, old punks. And it's quite weird that, you know, we, we, we talk, obviously we're talking about the Pistols, we're talking about bands reforming. I would say when people say, well, what bands would you like to reform that the members are still alive? I guess probably two of the main ones are possibly very much your first two that you've yeah, mentioned today. Yeah, the jam to reform and they probably would never I mean it's 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 interesting, isn't it? I think that, say, when Buzzcocks reformed that time, they, seemed to, they were still quite young really mm. um, and um, this nostalgia circuit hadn't been yeah. uh, established now I went to that and it's absolutely fantastic so I'm never going to um, attack anybody yeah. who wants to go and see a band re who have reformed yeah. or are doing their thing again um, but, and they weren't able to see them because mm. there's nothing wrong with that and I, I went to when the Pixies first reformed and started playing again I went to one of those shows and I really enjoyed it but because I was that the Brixton Academy Brixton Academy yeah, I, was, that's the one I, I really liked it yeah. I thought it was great yeah. um, but I had seen them first time round quite mm. a few times and in fact they were they're on my long 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 list of yeah. favourite gigs and I was complete they were one of my all time favourite bands mm -hmm. for a, a few years and the gig was really great but there were different other things that 
um, you know, circumstantial things around that gig that kind of mm. maybe not enjoy it as as much as I could have done yeah. and, and stuff like that. And so it wasn't as revelatory as they had been. So I was a bit disappointed um, because they had been incredible. And they are still in, and I've seen yeah. them a few times since. And they're always really good. And those songs are evergreen. Yeah. And, and all they do really is perform the songs. Yeah. And that's, in a way, all they need to do. And um, there's kind of nothing wrong with that. So but Slint, I went to see Slint, and I was a bit disappointed in that. Oh, really? Couldn't, couldn't live up. But, but, I mean, it's partly, these are stupid things, but it's partly because there's somebody going on and on about something in my ear. You know, there's like you're, you're, all these different things that are distracting you that can, can, that can be the, the kind of really negative aspects of gigs where you're distracted by the drunks around you or you're yeah. the drunk who's distracting other yeah. people. You know, and... and that can be really, yeah. really irritating. And, and, you know, sometimes you just don't get in the zone. Yeah. And other times you get in the zone and it's all magic. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's weird because I do think that there's an awful lot um, of what you bring yourself to any piece of art, be it listening to a record, being at an exhibition, being at a gig, watching a film. And sometimes all those things align in the right way and they can have a really mesmerizing and powerful impact and sometimes you've you've got toothache or whatever you're you're distracted you can't concentrate you can't get involved you can't lose yourself in it and you you're repelled and um which makes the days when it's perfect absolutely perfect yeah Yeah. i mean when you walk out and you've got that sense of joy and that sense of catharsis and that sense of inspiration those are the ones that are really magical and those are the ones you know that we're here to talk about in a way no and and that's why luckily i've been uh able to um see so many events like that and you know when you you asked me here and you know suggested the subject and i was like oh it could have could it be the gigs i've put on you know i'd love to go through those they're all really brilliant and yeah um, and being involved in something and being involved in, in putting on something can can brings a different yeah. level of involvement and yeah. and participation. You no, know, and it's the nearest you'll get to being that person on yeah. the stage delivering yeah. the show. You no, know, and in a way, that's why another reason why we're we're in so in love with it. We yeah. would love to, I would love to be that person. No, I would love to have been Johnny Rotten. You know, yeah, or Alan Vega or something. But obviously, yeah. those th- these are unique, special people. You no, know. completely. So what's uh, you're what's your last choice? Five. I am. Um, I'm so torn. I'm so torn because it was interesting compiling this list. I realised that wow, there's a, there's a, an awful lot of these gigs are a certain era. No. Okay. Um, so uh, Sonic Youth, two nights at the Astoria uh, when Daydream Nation came out, they played the whole album back to back. Both nights, absolutely incredible. A band like Firehose, who uh, such an incredible live band, same kind of era. So. I was really, I went through a phase um, when I was really into Minutemen and Black Flag and this whole SST label and everything they put out. Um, and Firehose had two thirds of Minutemen. So Dee Boone, the singer and guitarist in Minutemen, um, died in a truck accident. Um, and then Firehose um, got approached by a fan the two remaining members of Minutemen got approached by a fan, Ed from Ohio, turned up on their doorstep out of the blue and really encouraged them to kind of get... Were they from Athens? They were not. They are from San Pedro, California. Right. And he really encouraged them to, to get back to making music. So they formed a band with Ed from Ohio called Firehose. And I got to see them quite a few times. And I first saw, first saw them at the Fulham Greyhound around their first album. It was really great. They had Buffalo Tom supporting them. And then their second album came out and it was even better. And I got to see them at the Subterranea with Pale Saints um, supporting them. And both were great, but Firehose were absolutely mind-blowing. Um, and one of the reasons why they were so mind-blowing is such a great, great band. Um, but for an encore, they came on and played the whole of this medley of songs that The Who had done on their album, A Quick One. A quick one while he's away. It's, uh, the Who did it, and it's about ten minutes long. Yeah, and it's like a whole kind of journey. Like it was before they had written Tommy, and so it was a, a kind of mini Tommy in a way. Yeah, and um, out of the blue, Firehose just come back on for the encore and play the whole of a quick one, 
And it's like, oh my God, you know, and, and I was really, you know, linked into the jam. I was really into the who, and I was really into a quick one, this album. Yeah. Um, because it was, it had loads of great catchy songs, but it didn't have any of the big hits on it. Yeah. And, um, but it was, it was like a mini opera. Yeah. And to hear it performed, um, just amazed me. And performed by a bunch of blokes in Czech shirts who, yeah. you know, couldn't give a monkeys about whether they've got stay pressed trousers or anything sure, like that. Sure. It had nothing to do with mod, but everything to do with amazing music. And yeah. one of the things that I loved about Minutemen with one that album, um, they, they had a kind of thank you list of, you know, thanks to Credence, thanks to Blue Oyster Cult, thanks to uh, Steely Dan. Thanks to the Who for making fucking timeless music, and and like really random bands that were not punk fashionable yeah. in any way, but they connected with that band yeah. and and they loved them, and they would often do covers of those of those band songs, and so seeing that was was incredible. And I went okay. to see them. I think it was the following night they played in Brighton. It's like I had to go, and they yeah. did the same thing again. And it was completely amazing. And talked to the band, and and that's one of the other things where you're so fired up, you've got to try and talk to the band. I mean, yeah. one time I went to see Pixies play with Throwing Muses in Norwich, so I still had friends in Norwich, um, so I went to stay with them. And we all went to see them. And I was so fired up. I had to go backstage to try and meet Kim Deal. I've got to meet Kim Deal. And, uh, you know, I got backstage. And instead of meeting Kim Deal, I met Throw Muses and chatted to them. And I was kind of saying, I've got to meet Kim. <laughs> it didn't happen. But it was just really funny, this kind of drunken yeah. foolishness. And, so was Tanya uh, in the band then or was it just? Uh, uh, yes. So Throwing right. Muses, yeah. So Tanya yeah. Donnelly was, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of, um, yeah. Yeah. They did a kind of co-headline tour yeah. around the country, which was really great. And, um so, I mean, I was going to cite one of those, you know, I so saw all those yeah. these bands, they were all, but I wanted to kind of mention Bo Diddley. Okay. Because... Um, is he sure, is he sure five? So this is my fifth choice. Okay. Yeah, so I, I've got to sneakily mention some of those other That's ones. That's fine. You can get some more mentions. I got to see the Bo Diddley. Uh, but I got to see Bo Diddley. Yes, and he is the Bo Diddley, really. Um, so at the Wimbledon Theatre, where I'd seen my first ever gig, um, quite randomly, because he happened to be playing, um, and it was just after my A-levels, and it was like, should we go and see Bo Diddley? And we really knew nothing about Bo Diddley. But it's kind of like, yeah, so me and a friend went to see Bo Diddley. And it was just so, so brilliant. It was a kind of a master at work. Yeah. Um, and we were talking about people engaging the audience and this kind of stuff. And basically, the essence of Bo Diddley is the Bo Diddley rhythm. And pretty much every single song has the Bo Diddley rhythm. Okay. And it's... and And... It was just fantastic. You know, it was kind of like all the lights were on, Bo on stage playing his homemade guitar and being it was completely trans, um, transfixing, really. Were you aware of his music at all? Not really. I'd barely heard any Bo yeah. Diddley stuff. Um, you know, um, there's, there are hits and there are songs that you would hear on the radio. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in a way, I mean, I'm a big Bo Diddley fan now after... Yeah, uh, but they all kind of sound the same, you yeah. know, which is why they're so brilliant. Yeah. But just watching that and just dancing to that and and just it was one of those things where um, it was beyond everything. You know, it's beyond. We were really into bands like Echo and the Bunnymen, and we've yeah. seen bands like Echo and the Bunnymen. We love Joy Division and New Order, and um, and. This had nothing to do with any of that. Yeah. No, it was pure primal rock and roll, yeah. and it it was as uh, kind of beyond time as Stonehenge or <laughs> you know the Giant's Causeway in yeah. Ireland or the yeah. Grand Canyon. Somehow it was yeah. it was just kind of there, and yeah. it was primal, and it was kind of like the essence of everything, and yet. I don't even know who was in the audience. It could have been mums and dads, grandparents. Yeah. It could have been young kids. But everybody surrendered to it and everybody loved it and everybody lost their cool to it. Yeah. And it just put a massive smile on everybody's face and had the true essence of of music, really. Yeah. You could link it to everything. You could say it was religious. You could yeah. say it was... Um, entrancing it it was spiritual and yet yeah. it was really dumb and yeah. silly and fun and you know we were two teenage boys who would probably be embarrassed to dance 
with each other or yeah. beside each other at this point. Yeah. Um, but quite happy to kind of be dancing, yeah. you know, and uh, to songs that we didn't really know, yeah. but we didn't need to know because somehow we did know them. Yeah. And, you know, it, it was absolutely fantastic. So I kind of wanted to salute Bo because Bo's amazing and I felt so lucky, so privileged yeah. to be able to see him in such a kind of random way. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, that was fantastic. You know, That's a and, wonderful and way to, to, to finish your, 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 your gig list. That's brilliant. Fantastic. <laughs> it's my, it, you know, I mean, I, I hate being challenged in this way, Stu. Yeah. But I also completely love it. And it's lovely to be able to just talk about this stuff. Yeah. No. Um, I should say you've got about three pages of A4 I do, notes I do. here. I mean, there's so many people I could mention, you know. And, you know, you, you, because I compile lists of stuff and I put together radio shows, you know, you're always thinking now, where, where's the balance? You know, are you covering lots of ground? Are you covering, you know, and, 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 in, and I'll, I'm very keen to make sure yeah. I do that. You know, is that, is that balanced gender-wise? Is that balanced era-wise? Is yeah. It, you know, and then it, but it's impossible to do that with this kind of list. Who have you not seen yet that you really want to see? Oh, wow. Well, I mean, if I could go back in time to that kind of time machine question, I never got to see Black Flag, I never got to see Minutemen and, um, and, no, I'd love to have seen them. Um, I wouldn't. I don't necessarily want to see the reformed Black Flag mm. um, because they're not reformed, mm. really. But they have kind of reformed it anyway. They had a few different singers and stuff. But Dead Kennedys. I never saw Dead Kennedys. I'd love to have seen that that kind of primal era of Dead Kennedys. Um, um, I'd love to have seen the Velvet Underground. I resisted the temptation to see them when they did you, reform you didn't in, in see my that. lifetime. I didn't see that. Yeah. I had friends who did go. Um, and some said it was good, some said it was not good. Yeah. Um, I remember seeing this video of Lou Reed when I was a teenager, um, and he would have been performing in the 80s or something, and and it was terrible. It was like, oh, my God. You know, he's, he, and he was playing some old Velvet Underground songs, yeah. and he was changing them in the way that, you know, he has the right to do. Yeah. But it was just, oh, no, no. That, it, was so, yeah. it was so disappointing, and yeah. I didn't want to kind of experience that with the Velvet yeah, Underground even though you know, you know in that strange second hand way you, you, they become your favourite band even though you know you were barely born when they were around yeah. and um, but they were my favourite band but what I did with them was kind of tick them off a list so yeah. I did go and see Lou Reed perform yeah. and I, I John Cale came on and performed with Patti Smith one time I saw Patti and she, she could have been yeah. somebody I could have included in this list um, Mo, Maureen Tucker Mo Tucker um, did quite a few solo uh, tours when she released some solo stuff in the uh, late 80s early 90s and I got to see her and I'd seen Nico play you've seen Nico so I kind of ticked and Sterling Sterling Morrison played with Mo Tucker when I got right. to see Mo Tucker and so it was like I got to see all the individual members <laughs> yeah. of of, um, of the Velvet Underground so we're kind of it's yeah. so p- pretentious and pathetic but you know that was cool and th- and each time I saw them they were all brilliant those nights and Blondie, it would have been great to see Blondie perform in their prime. And I, I did see the Ramones, but, and they were really good. And I'd love to have seen them in their prime. Um, it's kind of seeing people in their prime. I mean, there are... I did see David Bowie. I'd like to have seen David Bowie more than I saw him. Yep. I'd love to have seen... I did see the Stooges revival, mm-hmm. and that was fantastic. I really liked that. Um, but I'd love to have seen them in their prime. I'd love to have seen the MC5. Yeah. You know. Um, that would have been amazing. Well, I think we should end this on what new live band are you yet to see that Ooh. you're excited about? Wow. Yeah, there's still quite a few. No, I don't get to see. That is a really good question, Stu, because every week I'm kind of thinking, oh, no, they're playing. And, <laughs> and, and, and I haven't seen them. No, that's not right. Yeah. Um, actually, a band I'm going to go and see this week, and I haven't seen them yet, but I'm really looking forward to it. Psychedelic Porn Crumpets from Australia. I mean, greatest band name. Yeah, amazing band name. They're from Perth. They seem to be part of this whole uh, psych revolution that has been brewing for the last five, ten years. Um, And I've loved everything they've put out so far. They've had a couple of albums out, and they've been a session for me, but I still haven't got to see them, and I'm going to see them this week. So, you know, they're as good as anyone to, to say uh, in terms of new bands. I mean, there are tons of new bands that yeah. I'd still like to see, but, um, yeah, Psychedelic Porn Crumpets. And the best place to hear about new music is? Exposure on Radio X, Monday to Thursday nights, 10pm <laughs> through to 1am. Thank you so much, John Kennedy. My pleasure, Sue. Thank you. 
there you go. See what I mean? Any chance you get to sit down with somebody that is way more comfortable in front of a microphone than than me, uh, it's 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 an absolute joy. And and John's such a kind guy, and uh, it's a absolute pleasure to sit down with him. So I'm glad you enjoyed that. And uh, and yeah, maybe I'll um, if I get a chance to sit down with some previous guests, chat to them about their their favourite gigs as well that have soundtrack their lives so uh i will see you next time i hope you enjoyed this episode bye bye oh yeah sorry i've butted in yet again i just want to quickly tell you about this magazine it's called pod bible now pod bible is the new essential guide to podcasts it's put together alongside spotify and acast and it's a one-stop shop to tell you all about the podcasts you maybe know about but definitely about a load of the podcasts that you probably don't know about that we think you should know about. I mean, in the first edition, there's interviews with Adam Buxton, interviews with Craig Parkinson, um, there's features on Jade Adams, and there's just an abundance of information about so many exciting podcasts that are out there. Also, Spotify have given us these amazing little codes, so if you do get a print copy, you can just turn on your Spotify on your phone, scan the little code and it just automatically opens up the podcast on your listening device. How good's that? If you haven't managed to get a print copy, then just go over to www.podbiblemag.com and read it online because the digital version is all over there and it's all free. So every other month there'll be a new edition out. So go and have a look and support us on the social medias as well. Podbiblemag.com It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me stew with him. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. <laughs> 